Hi, friend. This is Georgian Banoff, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, The Cost of Freedom. In today's podcast, Georgian sits down with his good friend and covenant brother, Cheon. Listen in as Cheon, who is the senior leader of Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena, California, tells how he and his church were threatened with imprisonment and millions of dollars in fines for keeping their church open during the COVID lockdowns. Okay, so here we are, uh, met years ago in the 70s, Bryce. I want to start right. there, Che. Yeah, uh, let's do that. Uh, this was in Washington. DC area, DC yeah. area. We, yeah. We're now in Pennsylvania, but it was not far from here. Where no, we, no, it's amazing. 70s. Yeah, here I we was are. I was once by the Jesus people. I got saved uh, at a Deep Purple concert. Deep so that, Purple concert. 1973, uh, May 25th. I walked out of the Deep Purple concert. I had an encounter with the Lord two weeks before. But God spoke to me. He said, "If you really want to follow me, give up the drugs." Because I was still doing drugs even after the encounter. Leave this concert. The moment I walked out of the Baltimore Civic Center with 15,000 people watching Deep Purple and Smoke on the Water, the number one song of that summer, I got instantly delivered from drug addiction one day and never been back by the grace of God, you know? I don't believe you have to backslide, you know? I I believe that we can go from glory to glory. So very grateful what the Lord did. Yeah. And and, uh, I was... In America, just before that, I escaped from America, and that's what right. makes us even more. And we have a lot in common because you're from Korean background, Bulgarian, but your dad was actually struggled for, well, persecuted yeah. for, for Jesus. Yeah, well, he was born in Pyongyang before communists mm-hmm. uh, took over. Uh, my, my whole father's um, uh, background it goes to my great grandmother who got saved in the Pyongyang revival of 1907. And then after the war, you know, Stalin wanted Korea to be totally communist. And, you know, Roosevelt and then Truman said, no, we, we wanted to be a democratic nation. So they arbitrarily just split for just a temporary situation which became permanent. And so North Korea became uh, under Russia and South Korea was under the United States. But what happened was is that uh, Stalin put a guy named Kim Il-sung, who was a tyrant, dictator, uh, megalomaniac who killed so many of his own people, like most of the communist leaders do. Right. But he um, he not only wanted North Korea to be communist, he wanted all of Korea to be communist. So he did two things. First, he arrested all the pastors, because wow. they're the ones who were the dissidents, the ones that would speak out. And my father was a pastor. He was a single pastor, 24 years old. He got arrested under Kim Il-sung, and then uh, he invaded South Korea. And um, and if it wasn't for the U.S. coming in at the right time, mm-hmm. uh, all of Korea would be under communism, mm-hmm. under Stalin and Kim Il-sung. But, but Truman, who was president at that time, sent forces in, and they pushed the North Korean forces all the way to the Chinese border. My father got released from prison, along with millions of others, including his family. They migrated to South to show you how people hate communism. They didn't want to stay there. Only the military basically, and, uh, and the diehard communist state in North Korea. But um, my, my father um, immigrated here uh, as the first Korean Southern Baptist pastor in North America, and I grew up with this 
sense of hatred towards communism, but also grateful and gratitude towards the United States for intervening in Korea. So people ask me, why are you such a patriot? I said, it's my DNA, you know. Totally. My, I grew up this way with my dad speaking out against communism in North Korea and China, but also loving this nation for saving us uh, twice, actually, but for sending missionaries, American sent missionaries in 1880 that led to my great-grandmother coming to know the Lord and then intervening in the Korean War. Yeah. So uh, some I didn't realize that it's similar to the Germany, half Germany, exactly. uh, Americans exactly. protected half Germany, half Germany. That's where they got the idea. They split uh -huh. German from east and west, and they did the same thing with Korea, but north and south. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, Bulgaria was 100% into the Russian. They right. took, they, they right. took uh, Russian. Right. And, and then they gave guns to all the underground communists, and they, they start killing all the capitalists. And yeah. The only reason my, my grandpa survived yeah. is because he was good to the people. In the, he worked. He had a, a big factory. Right. And he was very good to his people. And among the communists, stood up in the trials and protected my dad. He's, oh, that's the grace he's of God. Communist, I mean, he's capitalist, but he was good to us. Don't kill him. So that's yeah. the only reason they yeah. didn't kill him. Well, my dad was traumatized. He wouldn't talk about it. My, I asked him, what was it like growing up in communist North Korea? And he says, you have no idea. And um, being a prisoner, and um, only thing that he would talk about is the rescue and how he got free, and just the positive things. But I think he had post-traumatic stress disorder (PTSD). Of a lot of people go through that during a time of war, you know. And of course, my dad went through World War II, the Korean War, and then even the Japanese occupation before that. So his whole life was traumatized, and um, that's why. Uh, I think, you know, he was very, very close uh, emotionally. I couldn't relate to him. Uh, so I basically grew up uh, with an absentee dad, uh, which caused me to get involved in the whole drug hippie culture because I just started to rebel. My dad and mom both worked as immigrants in America, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I had all this free time and got involved with the wrong crowd because I wanted to be accepted by my American friends. But uh, that led me to drugs, drug addiction. But thank God that my parents prayed for me and got, came to know the Lord at the age of 17. Praise God. Yeah. And what was the time you got saved? 70? 73. So uh, May 73. Yeah. So 49 years, you know. I mean, same thing uh, with Roe v. Wade. You know, that was January of 73, January 22nd. And so mm -hmm. um, 49 years, uh, I know how long abortion was legal because of the same year of my conversion. Yeah. 73, February is when I got saved. Oh, wow. We were very close. Yeah. A uh, few months apart. Yeah. And uh, I was in the West Coast. Right. Uh, or, yeah. You yeah. know, ca California. Uh, a little bit north of, of L.A. in Ojai. Actually, sure. yeah. Ohio and Ventura, they were getting back right. and forth. That's how I got. And so <laughs> you were part you know, of the G's because it started in the West Coast, you right, know, uh, as you yes, know, yeah. you know, Costa Mesa with Chuck Smith and Lonnie Frisbee and uh, Mara Marilla and these guys. But we, we got it on the East Coast several years after it was birthed. It took a while for it to. But our Bible study, um, when I joined in 1974, was 150 people by. The 76 was over 2,000 meeting wow. every Tuesday night. In the D.C. area. D.C. We had right. to rent the largest church building in D.C., Christ Church of Washington. And we had, um, and the auditorium only seats 600, but we had people in the overflow rooms. And this is before our video, so they're listening by the intercom. But they were so hungry, people were lined up around for blocks before every Tuesday night just to get in. 
And um, I thought that was just normal Christianity. I thought this is because I didn't know any different. Uh, we were just talking about this earlier, but you know, we didn't realize we were in a historic revival. But now we look back and see yeah. 20 million young people gave their hearts to the Lord. I did some research on this as I was working my book, uh, Turning Our Nation Back to God, through historic revival. From 1967 to 1977 is during the Jesus People Movement historically. And 20 million young people got saved globally during that time. Wow. So the harvest came in massively, you and me, including you know, so many others You know that we look at, like Charles Stock, for example. We're just talking totally. about him. He got saved in the same Lou time. Engel. Lou Engel. Well, Lou was a church kid. Oh, okay. But uh, his father was a pastor, five generations of pastors. Wow, I Just like Bill that. Johnson. Okay. So Bill and Lou would be the exception. Ah. They would have been the nerds around us, you yeah, know, yeah. as Christians. But, um, but evangelical. He came into the charismatic renewal during that time though okay the baptized in the holy spirit spoken tongues but That's apart right. from that he was already saved yeah okay i didn't know that yeah no but all of our friends of course you know that either you're a christian or you're a hippie you know it's like just two groups of people back in those totally. days and i was a communist raised you know right. as i rebel i became a rock and roll drummer right that was our of way course. of fighting the right. communist somehow. Yeah, I would sell drugs to you. I sold to all the bands. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> in Washington D.C., yeah, it was, yeah, it was crazy time. And then uh, smack in the middle of that—that that was a revival time all over. I yeah, mean, globally, it was a global it's revival. A global. I think of um, you know some of the people who started like uh, like in Australia, like Phil Pringle. He was a hippie, got saved, and started. Uh, CC3 uh, movement, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the second largest apostolic network next to Hillsong. And then you had, uh, um, um, you know, I, I don't know, Brian was younger. Uh, his father, Frank Houston, uh, wasn't a hippie, but he was the Assembly of God. But that whole generation uh, in Australia where the church exploded came out of the Jesus People movement. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, you have a new book, and I, I want you to talk a little bit about it, uh, but I know you discussed even today about this apostolic strat strategy, Right. Uh, and I want to go a little back, for those of you who might not know, we go a long ways, obviously it's from the 70s, we were right. young people then, we're still young in heart, <laughs> uh, but I just want us to go a little history about what's happening now, Right. started if I remember the six, late 60s, when I arrived in Berkeley, they had just finished all these burning down buildings. There was right. a rebellion, right? Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. They, and, yeah. yeah, Summer of Love, 67, and yeah. uh, the whole uh, hippie revolution. I mean, there was violent as well. There, there were 1,500 bombs that went off around the country. I mean, we look at the violence in Seattle or Portland. Yeah. It's nothing compared to what we went through. And it was because of the war in Vietnam. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I was, uh, again, hippie protesting against the war up to 72 when I, mm -hmm. and then I got saved the next year. But even as a 16-year-old, uh, their whole playbook would be, because I grew up in the nation's capital, to have a concert on the mall with all the top bands would donate their time, you know, Grateful Dead, the band, you know, Chicago. I mean, all these people would come out and um, they would have a free concert. And then afterwards, it was May Day, May 4th, we would rebel. We would, it was supposed to be a peaceful march, but it was anything but peaceful. Riot. It was rioting, just total riot violence. And I have to be honest, you know, it was so violent even for me that as an unbeliever, I, I, I was afraid 
So I just went back to the suburbs where I lived, you know. Mm-hmm. But my friends were out there rioting. It was that violent. And so, um, yeah, so it was a very turbulent time uh, leading up to uh, really the end of the war in 73, But when I got saved. But, um, but up to that point, uh, you just had, you know, four dead in Ohio. You see the National Guard just shooting uh, the students at Kent State University. That's why we protested in May because it was to commemorate the four that got shot on May 4th in Kent State University. And so, um, yeah, so it was a very, very turbulent time. And, of course, we had dramatic Dr. King got assassinated in 68, and, of course, Kennedy in 63. So the 60s was really a, a very, very turbulent time. But... God, because it was right in the midst of that darkness. So one of the principles I share, the first chapter, is always the darkest time before the light of revival breaks out. Right. And it's based on Isaiah 60, uh, 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for a light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness covers the earth, deep darkness over the people, but the Lord will rise upon you. And so it talks about deep darkness over the people, and we see in the 60s uh, the darkness, and then the Jesus people movement starts right in the midst of that darkness. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, those riots and things were crushed pretty much, and then uh, they went into underground, uh, invading the colleges. Right. But now we're seeing how the high schools are getting invaded, and even now the preschool. I mean, this is becoming like I never really was aware of what was going on. This communistic thing has been undercurrent, underground, and I was just like, whoa. Well, what, what happened was all these hippies were really Marxists. They wanted, they didn't want democracy. They wanted Marxism. They wanted government control to bring about peace and unification. And so, I mean, they had a, an economic equity, but of course, you know, and I know, communism doesn't work. You look at Venezuela, look at North Korea, how impoverished they are, or Venezuela, Cuba, the list goes on. Bulgaria. But, yeah, Bulgaria, thing. all of Eastern Europe. But um, but what happened was is that these hippies, you know, they, they went to universities. They became the professors. They became the attorneys. They became the people involved in media. We, let, we as Christians, sort of abdicated our responsibility of being salt and light. And many of us dropped out of school. My pastor dropped out of college because we thought we were going to get raptured tomorrow. And so why bother to be in college, right? Right. Whereas the, these revolutionists ended up becoming the leaders of our society today. Exactly. So they're now, you know, the ones that are running the universities, are running media. Education. They're the journalists, Education Mountain. And so we wonder Government why. Government Mountain. Exactly. We wonder why they're so radical. Well, they were radical back in the 60s and 70s, but now they're yeah. the ones in control of the left wing. Entertainment left. Mountain. Yeah, absolutely. All and this. So, yeah. I mean, you look at their background. If you study their background, uh, you, you see how they were left even back then, uh, you know, as as uh, as Democrats, you know, and uh, again, I'm not saying all Democrats, but you see the left, progressive left ideology was back there in the 60s. It was Marxism big time, you know, especially in the uh, Berkeley area and mm-hmm. where the riots broke out. So in my mind, democracy is the opposite of communism. But here it's almost Identical. They, they, the way they say democracy is like communism to me. And I'm it going, is. what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's where you have what's called euphemism, where they change the terminology uh, so it would be palatable for 
um, for the masses, you know. And that's Lenin's playbook. He said you have to redefine, you have to lie. You know, I mean, their state newspaper was Prada, which means the truth. It was anything but truth. It was just propaganda after propaganda. And you have the same thing with fake news, you know, with the media, just lying blatantly. Right. You know, the Russian collusion, we had two years of lies. Mm-hmm. Now even the January 6th you know, insurrection, it's just lies just to, again, control the narrative. And so that's why, as Christians, we need to speak out because the truth will set people free, mm-hmm. and we have the truth. And, of course, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and yeah. no one comes to the Father except through him. So, so we're, we're, But unfortunately, uh, you know, I think the mask, all the mask mandates was like a metaphor of just silencing the church. And I thank God that a Trump-appointed judge uh, in Florida— uh, you know, in April, April the 18th, the reason why it was Easter, and the next day uh, she said that it was unconstitutional to make this mask mandate for those who travel on public transportation. Mm-hmm. And I remember, because you and I travel a lot, oh. you know, I hated that mask, and so Absolutely. we had to take that off. was like a time of incredible celebration. It was in the middle of flight, actually. Really? For you? Announced <laughs> it, okay, no more, don't need to. Yeah, I oh, mean, it was, it was yeah, it was, but I feel like, it's even a spiritual metaphor that God wants us now to speak out. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's why you're doing this podcast. And thank you so much for being a voice of reason yeah. and truth. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's people. what I got shut down because I'm like anti-communist right. propaganda. And I had yeah. the Well, they tried to shut me down, too. The whole church, yeah. they, the city came to me with a letter, the city prosecutor. Tell us about that. That's an amazing story. We're well, so proud of you. And well, what it's God the grace did. of God because, you know, we didn't know. I mean, I knew, uh, you have to understand, uh, California. For those who don't know, Che is a pastor of a large church in Los Angeles, area, P- Pasadena, uh, H-Rock. The Harvest Rock Church, yeah. Harvest Rock but Church. We called it H-Rock for short, but... Harvest, Harvest Rock Church for right. what? Since the uh, Since 94. It was birthed out of the revival in Toronto, right, you know. Vineyard uh, at the time, and then you became... Yeah, we, we wanted covering, so we're a vineyard for mm-hmm. less than one year. But then okay. they asked us to leave because of the Toronto yeah, the blessing Toronto's was blessing, too much exactly. for them. And we love the presence of the Holy Spirit, but they yeah. they asked us to stop the nightly meetings. We had nightly meetings five and nights you, a week. And you purchased an amazing building in uh, we Pasadena. We bought the Ambassador Auditorium Ambassador. in 2004. Um, it's, uh, it was valued at that time $38 million. Wow. We got it for $13 million. It was the grace of God, and um, it was just amazing. But anyway, that that's all part of the transformation that we're seeing in our city. But, but what happened was is that when... Uh, you know, um, the lockdown took place, and 20. Trump said 30 days of just lockdown, don't do anything. Uh, we, we didn't know what we were getting into, so we did the same thing. We cooperated. But after the lockdown uh, was over 30 days, uh, we just felt like, you know what? The church is supposed to meet. It says in Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembling of the saints, as, as and as some are in the habit of doing, especially as you see the day drawing near. So as we get closer to the Lord, There'll be persecution, and there'll be things that will try to shut down the church. So we made a decision, and I really want to thank Charles Stock because he inspired me. He said, we're going to open up on Pentecost Sunday. And I was vacillating, and I, when he said that, I said, yeah, we got to open up. So we opened up on Pentecost Sunday, May 31st, 2020. This is early on. Well, what happened, long story short, the city of Pasadena sent me a letter for not locking down and saying that they're going to arrest me. 
They're going to find us $1,000 per person for every week we've been meeting. And we're talking about from May 31st, we're talking about millions of dollars worth of fine with our church. Millions. Millions. And, um, and then at the end of the letter, the last paragraph said, we reserve the right to arrest your church members. And when that really ticked me off. I mean, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm not in communist North Korea. I'm in the United right. States. They want to arrest L- law-abiding citizens. Yeah, we pay you know, our taxes. And these people have a clean record, and they want to arrest us who are just worshiping Jesus. And so um, I called my attorney and gave him a copy of the letter, and he asked for an emergency injunction. So in other words, I wouldn't get arrested. This was not a veiled threat. They were, in fact, they told me the day they were going to arrest me. Wow. And so they just had prepared, and was this was coming up on a Monday. But but um, he went to the district uh, court in Los Angeles, but was an Obama-appointed judge. Oh. And it shows you how elections have consequences. He looked over the letter. It was on Zoom, by the way. There was no personal, you know, oh. you couldn't. And he gave us around 10, 15 minutes and said, this letter is good. Your pastor will be arrested, dismissed. Boom. And that was wow. it. That was we, we had no say. He just looked at the letter and made a verdict. Then we appealed to the Ninth Circuit, which is probably the most extreme left circuit uh, appeals court uh, in America. Like 80% of their decisions overturned by the Supreme Court. So even in you know other decisions, they're so extreme left. Sure enough, an Obama appointee and a Clinton appointee weighed our case, two out of three. And they said, no, this letter is good. Your pastor will be arrested. But the Supreme Court picked it up. And how did how does that happen? Somebody but here's the reason why because what happened was I mean, is the that Lord. yeah, New York, uh, a a Jewish synagogue and a uh, Catholic church had sued Cuomo for locking down the church, mm. and um, and so they weighed in on that right after Thanksgiving and they contacted us and say your case is similar, send us all the paperwork, and so my attorney sent out the, our uh-huh. case and on December the fifth. Right after Thanksgiving, they said it was unconstitutional to arrest me. So I got reprieved. But that wasn't the final case. Then they weighed in on our constitutionality, of whether we can meet or not. And they said it was totally unconstitutional to lock down the church or even Bible studies, which Newsom had done. Yeah. Bible studies and any kind of prayer meeting in homes. And so on December, uh, on February the 6th, 2021, they weighed in on that. And again, was Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett. Trump's three appointees with, of course, you know, uh, Alito, Thomas, and even Roberts sided with us, 6-3. And uh, we won. And so the thing that was the icing on the cake, we got a $1.3 million settlement. So paid for all the legal fees. And uh, it was set... Is set a precedence that in perpetuity, no governor can lock down the church ever again. Wow. And so, thank you, Jesus. So, it's if there's major. another virus or whatever, you know, um, they, they can't lock down the church. Major, major victory. For yeah, we really give God the glory. I had a great attorney, Matt Staver, and mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I just deferred to him, and yeah. but he navigated us through all this, and so he did all the work. Yeah. Uh, so, we've been... Uh, I personally have been so caught up in the Lord and movement. But I'm not aware. I was not aware all these years the left is working. This, this real common is they have like a 45 goals. I have a whole list of their goals since the since the takeover. And uh, slowly, undercurrently, they're going after taking away right. all freedom. You know, and and, and and shifting America, really destroying America. Well. You know what really uh, was a wake-up call for me? 
we really began with the election of Trump in 2016 right. going into the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Because I gave a message, five reasons why I'm voting for President Trump. I'm not telling people how to vote, but I'm telling how I was going to vote. And people walked out on the service right in the middle of my men, never before. Wow. And they're all women, so I could tell they were voting for Hillary Clinton, oh, wow. you know. And um, and I don't know for sure, but it was just my impression. Sure. And uh, and um, I had uh, people leave the church. People were big donors. Um, they said that I was being too political. And I, I'm trying to see from Scripture because I feel like Jesus is not just Lord over the church. He's Lord over every sphere of society. Right. He's over the family. He's Lord over yeah. business. He's Lord over government, yeah. education. And so, you know, How we're can you be Christian, be pro-abortion, for instance. Exactly. This is a valid I mean, that, yeah, It's a, it's it's a moral a, issue. It's not a, a political thing. It's yeah. heaven. Yeah, and, and our biblical values, even on the uh, 2015 uh, same-sex marriage Supreme Court decision, you know, we, we spoke out against it. In fact, it was California that passed Proposition 8 which defined marriage between a man and a woman. I was involved in that with uh, Jim Garlow was the right. leader behind it. And, and we won. Um, surprisingly, uh, 52% said yes to Proposition 8, 48% said no. And, of course, the left, Hollywood, had the best commercials to defeat that, but we won because the church came forth for the first time. Um, and again, we have 15 million evangelicals in California. If we could just mobilize them, we would win every election. But unfortunately, most of them are just asleep and they just won't be involved because of bad theology, bad eschatology. Anyway, we're working on that. But uh, but that went all the way to the Supreme Court, that case. And they, because of the liberal uh, justices at that time, they, they overturned that and said same-sex marriages. It's legal now in America. Now, I have hope that um, even that was a bad decision by the Supreme Court, that it really should be on a state level, should be on a congressional level. And so as Roe versus Wade was, has been overturned, I'm believing that the Oberfell uh, decision and Hodges decision of uh, 2015 will be overthrown as well. This is making... <laughs> the dark forces were really mad. They they want to abolish the, the Supreme Court completely. Yeah. I'm, oh yeah. I just heard it yesterday. Or or, or stock it with their their judges. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's it's like no. They want to abolish it as a as an institution. They wanted to be voting from like like the senators. Right. Vote. Right. Wait right. a minute. This is a different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what they do want to do is they they want to pack um, uh, the Senate and the House. You know, with their their liberal left wing uh, mm-hmm. I just want to be honest and just say I think they're just Marxist you know, ideology and, absolutely and they just want to take over but, uh, but, but again we're the salt of the earth light of the world and we're the ones to occupy until Jesus Christ comes not just communist but there uh, back then it was Russian communism but now it's global elite type oh, yeah. of control not, not just you know what I'm saying? They're using oh, yeah. the communism as, as right. A, but it's the it's well, the elite, the elite always ran, you know, because it was only the handful that became extremely wealthy, the oligarchs in Russia and Soviet Union. But, but it has become global, like the Soroses, mm-hmm. and even I hate to mention names like this, but you you have people that are the part of the Davos group, and they are some of the richest people in the world, and uh, they just want to control everything. But mm-hmm. but I'm believing God to raise up an army um, of believers uh, who will 
uh, usher in the kingdom, the greatest revival. And I'm believing God for Christian billionaires. We need a Christian. Yeah, yeah you mentioned that. Yeah, someone that's to be the George Soros of uh, radical Christianity. Yeah. You know? Amen. Abs- I mean, you know, why not? <laughs> I'm supporting. I'm 100% supported because, like, my grandpa was a wealthy man. I yeah. didn't know. Com- yeah. The communists were the enemy. Yeah. If right. you're rich, you're the enemy. So right, my exactly. parents never said a word. The entire childhood, I never knew until they fell. Then, grandma's showing me the the record, the books. She kept the books of yeah, what we right. own and the lands, and yeah. and I didn't know that. Well, that's uh, why there's a marketplace anointing on you, you know, because you have that generational blessing of um, business. I had the same thing on my father's side. I mean, my mother's side. My father was poor. He was a pastor. As uh, my grandfather was a teacher. They're all poor in North Korea. But on my mom's side, uh, my uh, father was a banker. He owned three banks. Back in those days, she owned banks, not. And he uh, he owned a rice production company in Jeju Island. Provided all the rice for the military during Korean War. Wow. He made millions. He had a sky rise in downtown Seoul, and so he had his chauffeur-driven car. And I I didn't know, you know, as a little kid being driven in this show, only chauffeur-driven car in wow. Korea, probably, you know, wow. one of those. But that was, that was on my uh, mother's side. And I feel I got that DNA, too, because I've uh, done well with my own personal business. You may not know this, but I've had a company for the last 12 years, and it's called Joseph Storehouse, and we raise money. I mean, we, it, it's a business, so it's a it's an S-corporation, uh, but the money goes into uh, elections and because you could only give so much as an individual, but with a company you can give mm-hmm. a lot more, and yeah. so that that was one of the reasons why I started that company twelve years ago. Now, we're part of Apostolic Company with Bill and Heidi right. and and uh, John Revival Alliance. Revival yeah. Alliance. Speak as an apost- as an Apostolic leader and a figure into this uh, strategically. How uh, to focus our our thoughts and energies and beliefs into making a, a transformation. Well, you know, I I wrote a whole chapter in my book that revival and reformation spreads through apostolic network, and you see that. I mean, when you think about John Wesley, uh, he was an apostle, and even though he didn't want to start his own network, but he became the leader of the largest denomination in the world, the United Methodist Church, and they were abolitionists. And, uh, and of course, William Wilberforce got impacted by the Methodist movement. He was a member of Parliament, a Cambridge graduate, and he started a network called the Clapman Group. They actually called it a sect. They thought it was a religious sect. It's called the Clapman Sect. And we're talking about 300 of the top, richest Christians, members of Parliament. They met together uh, from 1880 to 1833. And we're talking about... Uh, one of the wealthiest um, members of parliament, um, Henry Thornton, who was a banker who also ran for parliament, uh, hosted this group in his home, in his mansion. His mansion was so large that you could have 300 people sit down for a sit-down yeah, dinner at the same time. And so what they did was they met for dinner. You know, it could have been just a handful up to even beyond 300. They would meet at Holy Trinity and Clapman when they had a too large of a group. 
and they would strategize two things, how to end the slave trade, slavery in Great Britain, because that was the number, that was the abortion issue of their time. Mm. It was the number one injustice issue, and also how to bring about uh, reformation of society. They called the reformation of morals, but it was really, um, you know, uh, they called it reformation of manners, but it was really about uh, morals, about, you know, uh, just young people making a vow to be chaste and not get into immorality, things like that, or drunkenness. They wanted to, uh, because England came into the Gen Age around the same time as the Great Awakening. In other words, they were drinking beer, but only men could go to the bars and pubs. So it was just something that men got drunk. But but when gin got invented because of the agricultural revolution, people started making gin in their own home. Mm. So every fourth, fifth house was a gin house. The sad thing is that women became alcoholics because uh-huh. they were drinking at home. And um, and then with that, high crime came into England. You couldn't walk through London without getting mugged. You had a high unemployment rate because they couldn't work at factories and in the coal mines. They were mm-hmm. so drunk. You had crime rate. You had prostitution. Women started to sell the bodies so they could have more gin. And uh, is it just, during this, uh, this is the, right during Salvation the Salvation Army was that? In no, that's the 1800s. This 18. is the 17th. This is 1738. Even, yeah, this uh, is 100 years before Salvation before Army came. Okay. Salvation Army came in the Victorian age of the Second Great Awakening. This is the First Great Awakening. Okay. Again, another dark time before the revival breaks out of the Great Awakening. But it was during this time that Wilberforce wanted to see uh, reformation of people getting sober, and Parliament was so corrupt, he wanted to change the ways they voted. And if you had money as a member of Parliament, you just bought votes. And he wanted um, he wanted to end a corruption in the government. He was a reformer. I mean, he, he wanted prison reform. He was for the poor. Of course, he ended the slave trade by 1807 and 1833. Slavery was abolished altogether without one bullet being fired, like we had to go through a civil war. But nevertheless, he was an incredible reformer. But anyway, the point is the Apostolic Network, the Clapman Group, changed England. And uh, and we see uh, throughout history, Paul with his apostolic team. And it wasn't just Paul. Initially, it was Paul, Barnabas, but we see later as Silas, Timothy, Titus, Priscilla, Aquila, Dr. Luke. These are all people in the marketplace, you know, Priscilla, Aquila, tent makers, Dr. Luke, a physician. And uh, they worked together, and they brought about the—I mean, by, you know, um, by Acts 17, they said these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. So they had transformed their known world, and it was an apostolic network under the Apostle Paul. So my my whole case is is that we need to come together in unity again, but mm-hmm. around apostles, not just pastors. Right. And so we have to understand and look at it. I mean, you're leading an apostolic now. You're an apostle, right. you know, global celebration. Bill, of course, with Global Legacy. John, Partners in Harvest. None of us existed even before the revival, but God birthed us. I lead a network called Harvest International Ministry, uh, uh, Global Awakening with Randy. I mean, we're all part of Revival Alliance, right. and we come together. I was just thinking, we have been vacationing together for 16 years. Do really? you realize that? It's been 16 years. This year. This year. Wow. We take a week out, and we, yeah. um, you know, we call it a retreat, but it's really a vacation together. Yeah. And we get close to each other. But the point is, is that Bob Jones was the catalyst for that. He said... God wants a net for the billion soul harvest. Mm. And this is before we're all 
started even networks. Mm. And he gave that prophetic word to Heidi. And of course, Roland Heidi, the uh, Iris, another great apostolic network. And uh, he said, uh, gather these people together. And uh, Heidi shared it with John or not, and I, I want to just share what John said. John, um, this was in uh, 2005, and John said, I'm not interested. I'm already up to here with Partners in Harvest, and I am so busy. There's no way I'm going to be part of another network. But uh, but the first one that you were there, when we hosted in Pasadena, 2006. 100 years anniversary of yeah, Pazuzu. And here's what happened. You know, John, immediately he bore witness. And remember, we didn't even have a name for it. And Randy goes to Go Daddy Go and finds Revival Lines. No one had it. And the moment that happens, the Spirit of God falls upon John Arnott, and he says, this is of God. We should form a denomination. He went to the other extreme and said, we should just form a denomination. Wow, yeah. And we all said, no, no, let's just, yeah. let's just uh, come together as leaders exactly. and grow close to each other but have our own network. And that's right. what happened. That's what was birthed yeah. out of that. So that's the way Revival and Reformation spreads. Mm -hmm. But what I'm doing now is I'm going to another uh, direction. Uh, we started a network called Revive California, mm -hmm. and it's with Bill and, uh, and other key leaders, um, of, but they all lead their own denominations or networks. Uh, in California, but it's not just... Sammy or no? Sammy Rodriguez is part of it. Um, uh, Bishop Art Hodges is part of it. He oversees 450 churches in California. Mario, um, no. He's more of an evangelist. Mario Murillo? No, Mario doesn't... He lives in Tennessee. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, but these are people in California. Okay. But Senator Shannon Grove... Um, we have um, uh, John Jackson, the president of William Jessup University. So we have people on the education mountain. We have business people, um, uh, a multimillionaire um, businessman uh, that uh, I won't give his name. I just want to keep some, some of this confidential. But we have some very wealthy people. Who are, and we just, for example, just hosted Kaylee McEnany at a gala. It was a fundraising for this Revive California and I tell you, um, we only had space for 70 at the, it used to be the Ritz-Carlton, but it's the Langdon Hotel, it's a five-star hotel. And uh, we had to set up another table. We sold out wow. 70 seats plus another one for 76 people, six around the table. And, um, and there are 10,000 a table. And these business people just said, we're in because we know this money's going into transformation of mm -hmm. California. So I feel that's what the Spirit of God's saying, that we need to come together in apostolic alignment to bring about transformation. We can't do it individually. We have to unite for right. that purpose. Mm -hmm. But before, it was more pastors uniting and praying. But what I feel God's saying is first apostles, second prophets, third teachers— 1 Corinthians 12, 28, that apostles need to come together in a given state or city mm -hmm. to bring about transformation. So I think you need to do that here in Pennsylvania, you know, yeah. and mm -hmm. why not, you know? Yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, not change, but just wanted to uh, discuss something that's become really huge, and that is these uh, talk about the gays, but now even the gays are not wanting to be involved in a transgender. This is a whole another level. It is. You know, I know a lot of gays that say, well, we're not with that transgender. Like, right. transgender are something, a whole another level, and they're going after children. Oh. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrendous. I have a tragic personal testimony of someone in our church. And I'm not going to give the names, but it was in the front page news. But uh, we had... Uh, 
a, a young girl, part of our youth group, 12 years old, her mom was going to our church. And um, she came home one day, and uh, she was going to Arcadia High School. This is now when she was freshman at Arcadia High School. And, um, and she said, I want to change my name. And she wanted to change it to a boy's name. Mm. And her mom said, why? We gave you a name. This is a prophetic name. God gave us this name for mm-hmm. you. You don't need to change your name. And she thought it was over. But he, she got involved with the LGBTQ club. Right. And they they recruited her to be a member. Mm-hmm. They loved on her because she was somewhat of a nerd, you know. I mean, she's going through, you know, puberty. And so, you know, she feels, right. you know. Which pimples is, on her face and angle, you know. Of her, course, her, you we know, all have just been everyone's there. going through. Yeah. But, but they used that and said, you know, I think you would be. You're probably a, a boy, in a girl's body. And so they began to influence right. her, mm-hmm. and so she wanted her name changed. And then, finally, um, uh, her mom said no. And then finally, uh, the the teacher contacted her because, um, they they wanted her to have the freedom to have the name change and, and, and just explain everything's cool you know mm-hmm. she doesn't have to have it when she's home but when she's here she feels more accepted with that name and all that well they got in a big argument and the mom said not not on my watch I mean I'm the mother and all that well what happened long story short they took custody the state took custody of the girl wow. they gave her hormonal blockers they started to give her testosterone and her bones were aching throughout her body because she was feeling the pain of the mm-hmm. men's testosterone in her bones. Yeah. And, um, and she was in so much agony. The state is now, she could only talk to her mom one hour a week. And they couldn't talk about Jesus during that time. They were monitoring what she said. So she couldn't even just talk. You talk about, in California, how extreme it is. And the tragic thing is that she was so confused, she committed suicide by walking out in front of a train and uh, this this girl that was part of our church. So I have a personal, uh, we are supporting this mom and suing the state. Mm-hmm. We're giving her finances. Mm-hmm. It is so egregious. People have no idea what's going on in California. And as California goes, so goes the rest of this mm-hmm. nation. Mm-hmm. And so we really need to take a stand and fight against yeah. this transgender uh, uh, agenda by the extreme left. Mm-hmm. It's basically taking control. I mean, it's, look, you can't even give an aspirin to your teenager in high school, and yet they're going to give hormonal blockers and testosterone treatment mm-hmm. without parental notification. And now they're trying to pass a law that anyone can come across the state lines in California and get treatment without parental notification. So we're talking about, I mean, kidnap, you know, you're, you're talking without parent known. You're taking a child yeah. across the lines. Mm-hmm. And it's gone so extreme. And that's why we say elections do matter and that we do need to have some common sense. And I here's the thing that's amazing. We had a recall of three uh, Board of Education members in San Francisco because they were pushing CRT, critical race theory, and transgenderism at the schools, and even Democrats. 70% on the average of each one voted them off the board, saying, we don't want this to be shoved down our kids' throat. So even Democrats are saying, this, we can't even identify with this. This is not you know, our party. So I feel the devil's overplayed his hand, and we're going to see a major revolt, even in California, and we're going to see uh, some of these people ousted. We already recalled the district attorney of San Francisco. This guy was a Marxist. He was financed by Soros, and uh, we uh, recalled him, and thank God, because the crime rate 
in San Francisco so bad that during Christmas this past year, people left their windows down, their trunk open to show they had, they had no presents. So don't break into my car because people are breaking into cars, stealing yeah. the Christmas gifts that people have just shopped. And it was getting that bad. It's bad. It is bad. I, I had a house in Washington State, and I was doing the same thing because they were just, just <laughs> nothing. In yeah, the left is I just... I always unlocked. Anyways, but I wanted to... Uh, in in, in uh, For years now, every time during the election, like every two years uh, during the election, right. we do a, a call Shift America you know, right. in D.C. because we're so close. And, and this year... Uh, we're going every month now. We're doing online Shift America. And this month, we felt the Lord says, do something to encourage parents, mom, mama bears and papa bears arising. Right. So I think this is uh, something that I, I'd, I'd love for you to speak encouragement into mama, not to be quiet, but to yeah. raise up yeah. their voices. No, no. Raise Any up way their I voices. can serve and help out. Uh, we're, we're doing the same thing. We're having these uh, gatherings um, bringing in experts, attorneys like Matt Staver to talk about our parental rights, the rights we have as parents. Mm-hmm. And we were planning on a, a conference uh, taking our, uh, it was actually called Leave My Child Alone. Mm, you know, okay. Because it's just like, what are you doing? This is my, my family, my children, and you're shoving this doctrine. I mean, kids who are four and five, they yeah. don't know how to read yet, and yet they're learning about homosexuality and, uh, and that you could be a, you know, they're not using boys and girls, uh, new, neutral pronouns. Of course, Disney, Disney has said, welcome boys and girls, or welcome ladies and gentlemen. They don't do that anymore. Everyone has gone so woke with this transgender issue. Yeah. It is the issue of our time, and we need to take a stand. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to be just like same-sex marriage and like abortion. It's just going to mm-hmm. overwhelm us if we don't wake up now as a church. I think we need to go after saving our children. Absolutely, yeah. To save our country, we need to save our children. And when I was a young Christian, first thing I did with my dating, my, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, but we wrote songs that ended up on the first children tape for children. There was nothing Christian. Oh, yeah. 70s. You know, I, I, the Jesus my kids people. all grew up on Music, music Machine, Machine and Bullfrogs and, bullfrogs and Butterflies. And, and that was my first involvement. And, and now I'm feeling like the Lord is saying, speak into the parents, protect the children. You know, and I, I like this idea. Well, you know what you're doing. It's it's Malachi chapter four, verses five and six. Mm-hmm. He's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children, oh, okay. hearts of the children to the fathers. Yeah. And that's what it says that he's going to send the prophet Elijah, not reincarnation of Elijah, but the mantle of Elijah. Uh, and of course, it came upon John the Baptist before the great day of the Lord, the first coming. But he's going to send it on the church before this, the great and terrible day, which is Judgment Day. And right before Jesus comes back the second time, bringing judgment to the nations, uh, he's going to give a chance for people to turn to God the Father first and mm-hmm. foremost. Uh, but we got we got to turn our hearts towards the next generation. That's why I made a covenant with Lou Engel. That we're always going to give ourselves to the next generation, even if we're 80, 90 years old. And so if you come to our church, it's all young people, even though I'm in my 60s. It's it's just an anomaly. Because You're young when I'm in my 70s. I know, but you know, right. you know yeah, uh, yeah. most of my pastors are, are millennials. I have two pastors who are in their 20s. And, uh, and the others are in their 30s. And so I intentionally raise up the next generation because, number one, I want to believe in them. I believe in them. I want to give them an opportunity to be a leader. I was given a chance when I was in my 20s, you know. 
And so when I met you, uh, I was uh, uh, I was 20 years old, you know. And so I was in uh, full time ministry, uh, working with. Uh, uh, this ministry, TAG, of course, but also active Christians that serve ACTS at University of Maryland. And we were having outreaches with Silverwind. That's how we invited you and Tony Salerno to come to Washington, D.C. Anyway, all that to say Huge is that we, we did that. They did it to us when we were young. Yeah, exactly. and, and Tony believed in you and yeah. raised you Gave up. And chance. so we need to do the same thing with the next generation. Yeah, I hear that. And uh, I'd like to invite you and Sue for the next Mamas and Papas, uh, you know, we raise Mama Bears and Mama Papa Bears. Mama, spoke, Sue's a Mama Bear big time. She's on the family mountain big time. You touch any of our kids or grandkids. You know, we have eight grandkids and another yes. one on the way. But yeah. if the time allows, of course, you know, yeah. I'm doing this uh, book tour between now and midterm election. But I'm really mobilizing churches to register and vote because it showed me with the gubernatorial race with Youngkin winning in Virginia. I didn't know this. Um but I was told by a very reliable source that 50,000 new registrant votes uh, were registered before that election, and it was Christians. Dave Barton told me that. I mean, he's a he's a wall builders uh, president and historian. And I said, because when you see how much they won by, I mean, it was a clean sweep. The lieutenant governor, governor, and the um, uh, state attorney, they all won by a few thousand votes. If those 50,000 had not yeah. uh, been registered to vote, it would have been the way of, of Virginia for years because I grew up in Maryland and my parents lived in Fairfax, Virginia. It's been a democratic state for years. We're talking about decades. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the Christians that showed up. So what I'm trying to do on this book tour is I'm meeting with pastors, encourage them to vote, get their people to register and vote. Awesome. And uh, I like to finish with and end with a prayer apostolic prayer specifically because you even mentioned you mentioned something that most pastors don't necessarily as strong as you ma, uh, uh, women in an apostolic movement you know yeah most yeah, leaders well, don't do that but it, I, I it's really, a major problem you know in the southern baptist right now they're talking about brick warren uh, successor as a woman pastor with her husband you know it was a couple but she's an ordained woman pastor and they're talking about leaving the Southern Baptist denomination because of that, which, you know, is so ridiculous because we see in Galatians, he said there's neither male nor female, uh, but we're all one in Christ. But then you see the first one to preach the gospel was Mary. Uh, you know, she saw the resurrected Lord, and then she went to the disciples, and then the disciples went to check out the grave. But you see even a woman apostle in Romans 16 with Junia, and Adronicus. And Junia is a Latin name or the Roman name for uh, Joanna, which is a Hebrew name. And so, and he says, they were before me in Christ and they're chief among the apostles. So you have a woman apostle. And so people who struggle with that, I just point to Heidi Baker. I said, what do you do with a woman who has planted all these churches? Mm -hmm. And we've been there. To help her plant churches, yeah, you know, I mean, and feed the poor. Yeah, it was just, yeah, be stoned. I, I remember when I was with her last time, they were throwing rocks at us on the be- flatbed as we were preaching. I, and she said, just get used to it. This is the Muslim territory. Yeah, I had yeah. a rock hit me right here. I, I kept it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Hanging around with Heidi, but, get rocks. Yeah, I know. I mean, she's the real deal. And what do you do with someone like that? And uh, and we have a Leanna Cinquentas planted fifteen thousand churches in India. What do you do with Lisette Momberg, who is on top of every mountain 
in Aruba. She's a member of parliament. She has the largest church. She has the largest Bible school. She has her own television show. She's like the Oprah Winfrey. And she's the wealthiest person in Aruba. She has her own business. I'm mean, talking about every mountain. And she's a woman. And we commissioned her as an apostle because uh, no one else had recognized this. And said, this woman is amazing. So, um, so we believe in women apostles just like uh, men apostles. And I know that's controversial, but I wrote a book called Modern Day Apostles and just shown from a scriptural basis and throughout history how God has raised up the Deborahs in the Old Testament. Right. But, uh, but in the New Testament, you have the Junia and Adronicus. So anyway, I'd love to pray for yeah. that yeah. and uh, pray for... And, and I also want to pray for marketplace apostles, people who are in the business now, okay. because I really feel yeah. that God is ready to transfer wealth it's Haggai 2, 7. I'm going to shake all nations. We're going through a shake, but they will come with the wealth of the nations, and then I'll fill this house with glory. And as we see the greatest revival, we're going to also see the transference of finances because it takes money to transform society. So, Father, I just pray right now for those who are watching this, and I pray for an apostolic blessing, yes. pray for an impartation. I know, Lord, that when you ascended on high, you gave some to be apostles, not everyone, but some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And I pray for those who are called to be apostles, whether men or women or those in the church or in the marketplace, that you would impart this apostolic anointing, that you would impart greater authority. Uh, you would impart the yes. the character of Christ, the, yes. uh, the fruit of the Spirit, mm -hmm. which is from the Holy Spirit, of love, yes. joy, peace, peace, patience, yes. kindness, goodness, faith, and self-control. I pray for this impartation, and I pray, Lord, that you would raise up your sons and daughters to be world changers, to be modern-day Esthers, to be like Joseph, who changed the then-known world yes. and saved a nation and the civilization back in those days to people like Paul who transform uh, the Mediterranean nations, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would raise up your sons and daughters to bring about transformation of society and massive revival. Pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Yes. Amen and amen. Thank yeah, you, Lord. A special prayer uh, for the courage to the parents and grandparents to step out. Amen. So, Father, we just agree right now. Uh, with Che and, 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 and Mama Sue. She is a powerful, powerful mama bear. So we just bless all the mama bears and the papa bears. Rise up. This is the time to save our generation. If we don't save the children, we, we're going to lose the nation completely. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we unite together in the mighty name of Jesus and protect our children, save our children in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for listening to my podcast. I trust our discussion today was helpful and encouraging to you. If you have any questions or comments, you can send me your email at gb at globalcelebration.com. I'd love to hear from you. And may the freedom that Christ pays such a high price for you to have be yours today. This is the Cost of Freedom podcast. I'm Georgian Banoff, and I can't wait to see you next week.